Exodus chapter 1. Uh, as we prepare for Easter, as I said, we're going to be going through the book of Exodus and relating it to, of course, Jesus and how he frees us in the ultimate sense. Are you free? Are you really free? We just sang a song about being free, and Becca prayed about being free from fears and anxieties. Are, are you? Can you say you're really living free? Um, how many of you remember Chris Christopherson? One of my favorite actors. He's an elderly guy now, and and uh, but Chris Christopherson, uh, he was just one of those cool guys, you know, in all those movies back in the day. And uh, someone asked him what he would like to have on his tombstone, and he said that he would like to have the first three lines of Leonard Cohen's "Bird on the Wire" on his tombstone, like a bird on the wire, like a drunk in a midnight choir. I've tried in my way to be free. And I thought, how sad. I love him as an actor, but I thought, what a horrible philosophy. You know, I've just tried in my way to be free. You know, when you think about it, so many people are just trying in their way <laughs> to be free. In my reading on sabbatical, I learned that America right now is more prosperous and safer than ever before. And yet, that's not the perception most people have in America. More people than ever have high levels of anxiety and stress and fears and addictions and, and all of that sort of thing than ever before. Why is that? For all of our talk about freedom, we are more enslaved to drugs and to depression, to anxiety. We're even addicted to to controversy and outrage. We're talking about safe spaces as if other places are dangerous. And, and all of this is going on. We're, we're so anxious and fearful and divisive. What is going on? I think the book of Exodus actually has the answer. We're going to be going through this series leading up to Easter. And, and the story of Exodus is really a story of freedom. God bringing the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land out of slavery into freedom, out of bondage into freedom. Maybe you're in slavery today. Maybe you're in bondage to something. Maybe you feel trapped and stuck, maybe even oppressed, and you don't know how to get free. Let's talk about freedom this morning. Exodus chapter 1, we're going to read like the first 14 verses, but I want to stop is several places along the way and make some comments. So let's just let's look at verse 1 right now. Exodus 1, verse 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. And then it lists all, all the sons of Israel. But now notice again, these are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob. Do you realize that Israel and Jacob are the same name? Same guy. Israel and Jacob. In fact, let me just tell you the story. This, this book of Exodus continues the story of Genesis, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are called the Torah, which means instruction or law. And the Torah tells this story of how God created the world and then worked through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all the way down to Moses and it's an incredible story. In fact, half of Genesis is taken up with the story of Joseph, who ends up down in, in Egypt. 
and, and, and creation. You go all the way back to Genesis 1-1. There is a good and beautiful God who created this world. Do you believe that? That there is a good and beautiful God who created this world? But Adam and Eve used their, their free will to sin against God and everything descended into evil. And now good and evil is a major theme in the Bible. And then God, you know, he has Noah and the flood. And then he calls a man named Abram, whom he renamed Abraham. And Abraham's story is, all, is fascinating all by itself. Could you imagine this? Imagine God coming to Abraham. Imagine God coming to you and, and promising you and your wife that you are going to have a son and this son will have children who will have children who will have children. And through your son, you are going to create a nation. And through this nation, you are going, God is going to bless the whole world. Imagine that promise. This is what God promised Abraham. So can you imagine Abraham and Sarah? Wow, we're going to have a son, even in our old age. And, and this son is going to be made into a great nation. And it's going to bless the whole world. And guess what happens? Nothing. For 25 years, nothing happens. And you can read the story and how Abraham and Sarah struggle with, well, we thought God had promised this. What's going to happen? In fact, they try even some other shortcuts and try, a, you know, Hagar, a servant girl, and they get in all kinds of, of a mess there. But it's incredible. You see, you and I, when it comes to the promises of God, we're like Abraham. We have, ultimately, we have a choice. You can say, I don't know what God is doing here. I am hurting. I'm confused. And I will be bitter and unbelieving. Or you can say, I don't know what God is doing here. I am hurting. I'm confused. But I will trust him. I don't have to understand what's going on. I don't have to explain what's going on. I trust him. See, God calls us to live by faith, even when we, especially when we do not understand what is going on. So eventually, after 25 years, Abraham and Sarah have a son. They name him Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. And then God meets up with this guy, Jacob, and changes his name to Israel. So you always need to keep in mind, Israel is not only the name of the nation of people, Israel, but it's also Jacob's name. Okay, so 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 go back to Exodus one, verse one, and, and, and hopefully it'll make a little more sense to you. These are the names of the sons of Israel. Who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. So again, Jacob was renamed Israel. And so these are the sons of Jacob. These are the sons of Israel. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad and Asher. The descendants of Jacob or Israel numbered 70 in all. So at this time, they're, they're on their way to becoming a nation, but I wouldn't call 70 quite a nation yet, would you? So and Joseph was already in Egypt. Now, why would Joseph already be in Egypt? Well, do you remember the story? Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob, and Joseph's older brothers were jealous of Joseph. You remember the story? How they showed favoritism. Remember the coat of many colors and how they, they gave uh, daddy Jacob gave his son Joseph a special coat and, and treated him with special favor. And Joseph even had these dreams and maybe even bragged about it a little bit. And the older brothers were jealous of Joseph. And they actually out in the country, they throw Joseph into a pit. And some of the brothers actually wanted to leave Joseph there to die. 
But then they said, no, no, let's not do that. Uh, They saw a caravan coming along that was on its way to Egypt. And they pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him as a slave to this caravan. And, And so Joseph is taken by caravan as a slave down to Egypt. And you, you can read the story in the book of Genesis leading up to Exodus chapter 1, where Joseph, as a young man, is a slave. And over as the years pass, he uh, ascends to where he is second in command in all of Egypt, next to Pharaoh, the king himself. And, and some amazing stories there. And so this is why Joseph was already in Egypt. Okay. Now, before we proceed with the story, I want to ask a question. Why should we even care? In fact, you might be sitting there right now and, and saying, Greg, why should I even care about this story of the Exodus or you know, Abraham and Moses and Joseph and these guys? Why should I even care? Let me tell you why. Very simply, this is not just the story of the Jewish people. This is the story that impacts the whole world. Remember, God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, give you a son, make him into a great nation. And through this nation, Israel, I'm going to bless the whole world. Do you realize that that even atheists and skeptics today who don't believe in God and don't believe in this story at all, they will admit that this story of the Exodus has shaped most of the world because so many people have believed that it's true. This story has really shaped especially Western civilization. Not only that, but this story tells us that we were made for freedom, not slavery. This story tells us that morality matters. Morality matters. This is where the Ten Commandments are, Exodus chapter 20. We'll get into this in weeks ahead, but the the book of Exodus is divided into basically three parts. Freedom, morality, and worship. Freedom, morality, and worship. The first part is God bringing the people out of slavery to freedom. And then he brings them to Mount Sinai and he makes a covenant with them and he gives them the law, the Ten Commandments, morality, how to be good moral people. And then he instructs them how to build the tabernacle and how to worship him properly so that he can be present among them, a holy God in the midst of a holy people. Freedom, morality, worship. See, God wants you and me to be free. But you and I oftentimes think that freedom means I am free to do anything I want. No rules. In fact, freedom is precisely in in forgetting all the... No, no, no. Freedom comes from being a good and moral person. That's where the true freedom is. And you know, everybody worships something. Everyone does. You worship something. Every single person. Some people worship money. Some people worship status. Some people worship success. Whatever you idolize, whatever is your highest priority, whatever is your highest value, whatever you think is most important in life, that is what you worship. And the thing is that that Exodus teaches us in all of Scripture is, is that if you are not worshiping God, whatever that other thing is that you're worshiping, it will eat you alive because it will make false promises that it cannot keep. And you will worship it, and you will chase it, and it will let you down, and it will ruin you. Freedom, morality, worship. We'll be talking about this in in, in the days ahead. 
And, and then finally, why should we care about this story? Not only for all those reasons, but because this story points us to Jesus Christ. The New Testament is just full of references to the Exodus and to Moses. In fact, the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 3, on just after the day of Pentecost, the, the, the Apostle Peter connects Moses and Jesus. He says this in Acts 3, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. I love this. Think about what he's saying. Repent then, turn to God, so that your, what, hap what happens? Your sins might be wiped out. That's forgiveness for the past. Freedom from the past. You don't have to be held down in bondage and in slavery to whatever has gone on before. That can be wiped out. You can be free, forgiven. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's the present where you can have freedom and, and, and refreshment right now. And that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So here you have, you have forgiveness for the past, freedom, freedom from all the bad stuff in the past, freedom in the present. Freedom for the future, hope for the future. One day God's going to restore everything. I love this. And then he goes on to say, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you. This is a quote out of the book of Deuteronomy. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. So here is Moses talking about a day when God's going to send another prophet like Moses. And of course, we know ultimately this is Jesus. Jesus brings the ultimate freedom. So everything in Exodus is really pointing us towards Jesus Christ. We'll keep unpacking this as we get uh, towards Easter. So, so let, let's, let's look now at verses 6 through 14. And I want to focus specifically on one thing in particular. Now that I've kind of given you the background story. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them. You know, the Israelites were in Egypt over 400 years, but they weren't slaves the whole time, you know. For a long time, they were prosperous and they were doing well. But it wasn't until like midway through that point, another generation or so, that this happened, that they became slaves. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now they are in slavery. And notice verse 8. 
It says a new king came to power. After that generation had died and the old Pharaoh had died and there's a new, new king and there's new generation, it says he knew nothing of Joseph. Literally, it says he did not know Joseph. Never heard of him. Now, this is extraordinary when you think about it in the story. This shows us, and this is what I want you to focus on for the next few minutes, how important it is to remember. The importance of remembering. Joseph, think of this. Joseph was the man who had literally saved Egypt. Remember the story from the book of Genesis? God says there's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And Joseph said, I can lead you so that we can have a good economy and we can strategize and we can plan so we can save up during the seven years of abundance and get us through the seven years of famine. It was Joseph who saved the nation of Egypt. And here they are a generation later and people are like, Joseph who? They, they, they didn't remember. They totally forgot. And, and I tell you, this shows us the importance of remembering. This is true for individuals. This is true for nations. I've been reading Dennis Prager. He's a Jewish man, and he has some commentaries on the Old Testament. And he has some fascinating insights, and I, I have it on your outline. He says, human beings tend to much more quickly forget the good others have done for them than the bad others have done to them. That's human nature. Isn't that true? We forget the good things other people have done for us, but oh, we can remember the bad things people have done to us. And we hold grudges and we're unforgiving. We, we can remember, man, some of the bad things that have been done to us, but we so easily forget all the good things that have been done for us. I tell you, one of the keys to a happier life is to remember the good and be grateful for it. You want to be happier? Become more intentional about remembering the good and the good things that other people have done for you and be grateful for it. Unhappiness is almost always linked to ingratitude. Ingratitude is almost always linked to forgetting the good things. A king came to power that did not know Joseph. They forgot. They did not remember. This is true for individuals. This is true for nations. You know, America is changing rapidly. I've been doing some reading on my sabbatical, and, and it's just incredible the rapid changes that are occurring in our nation right now. Uh, and it's primarily because we're forgetting. We're, we, we have amnesia. We're, we're forgetting our American heritage. You, you've seen these street videos where people are, are interviewed out on the street and asked basic questions about American history, like, who is Abraham Lincoln? And people don't even know. And, you know, what was the Civil War about? And people, what? They, 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 they don't even know how Abraham Lincoln was the president who led us to, to, to free the slaves and, and the, the Civil War and all of that. We are quickly forgetting our American heritage and our American values. Many people today don't even understand what it means to be American. This is true of nations. It's true of individuals. What are you if not your memories? I know some of you have loved ones that, that 
they're, they're losing their memories. They're slowly losing their memories. They're forgetting who they are and who you are. And it's sad. It's tragic. The Bible tells us constantly to remember. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Remember you and I need to remember Jesus Christ. Some of you are forgetting who you were and how Jesus rescued you from your slavery to sin. You are forgetting who you are in Christ. Earlier, Becca was talking about our identity in Christ. You're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting your identity in Christ. You're forgetting how awesome and wonderful God is. And Therefore, you're not very grateful and you're chasing other things and worshiping other things. You're forgetting. You're just not remembering. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Just the other day, Sandy and I had Bentley, uh, Carrie's daughter, Seth and Carrie's uh, son, well, one-year-old over at our house, and, uh, and, and we just love having him there. He's, he's one-year-old, and he's not quite walking completely on his own, but he has this little, this little four-wheel cart, little plastic cart walker, and man, he can fly. He's just, he's just going all around the house and around the living room, and, and, and I love chasing him and, and let him chase me, and he, we're just giggling and playing, and we've learned early on that, that if Bentley is quiet, that's not a good sign. Something's happening. So, so, and this happened just the other day. He he's on, he's on his little cart, you know, and he's he's flying across the, the the kitchen, and he goes back into that corner. And I'm thinking, uh oh, did I shut the bathroom door? I don't remember. So I bet he's in. The, I bet he just went in the bathroom. So I got right back there, and sure enough, he was in the bathroom, and he tried to turn his little cart around and come back out, but the door was halfway closed, and he got stuck between the wall and the door, and he's being getting fr more and more frustrated because he's trying to get out, and he's, and he's just pushing and pushing, and, and, and obviously that doesn't work. What he needed to do was back up and open the door and then come out, but he just kept trying to go forward, and he was, get, he was stuck, and he was getting more and more frustrated. He started yelling. Of course, I, I straightened everything up, and everything was okay, but some of you, you just keep pushing forward. You're stuck. You're trapped. You're enslaved. And you just keep trying the same old things. And you're pushing forward and you're pushing forward and you're getting more and more frustrated and more and more stuck. And what you need to do is back up. Back up. Remember Christ. Remember Christ. Remember what he's done for you. Remember it, how, all that he has done for you, how he has freed you, how he has forgiven you, how awesome he is. You need to back up. You need to remember. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, who died for your sins. The Apostle John says in Revelation 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. The first step to freedom is to remember. Remember Jesus. Remember what you have received and heard. Hold fast. Repent. Wake up. All through Exodus in the Torah, God keeps saying, remember, 
remember. He even says, teach your children. Teach your children. Teach them. Help them remember. Remember. Turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 31. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up with this, this story. In, in John chapter 8, Jesus has a conversation with, the, with uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And they're challenging him about his identity and is he really the Messiah. Some of the Jews believe, some of them don't. And, and here's what Jesus says in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Stop right there. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. I ask you this morning, are you really his disciple? Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. I ask you, are you holding to his teaching? Are you really obeying him? See, you need to understand, freedom comes through obeying Jesus, holding to his teaching. Don't kid yourself. If you're not obeying, you're not his disciple. He goes on to say, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're talking about freedom here. Jesus says, if you really hold to my truth, that my truth will set you you free. See, it's not your desires will set you free. We live in a culture that says that the most important thing is that you follow your desires. You just do whatever it is that you have to do to get happy and you will follow. No, 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 no. Oftentimes following your desires leads to slavery. Many times we have to say no to our desires. It's not your desires that will set you free. It is not your opinions that will set you free. It is the truth that will set you you free. And some of you right now, you're like little Bentley. You're, you're stuck and, and you just keep trying to push forward and try harder and do more of all the things you've been doing. And how's it working for you? And what you need to do is you need to back up, open the door. You need to remember, remember there is a good and beautiful God who created us. He wants to set us free. And he, he has told us how to be good and moral people. And he wants us to worship him first and worship him only. That is the way to freedom. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? This is amazing. How could these religious leaders say this? We're not slaves. This is incredible blindness and denial. The Jews had been conquered by Babylon 600 years earlier. And then they, they, were, they, were, so they, they were subservient as a nation to, to Babylon, and then to Persia, and then to Greece, and now to Rome. Unbelievable. They, they had been a slave nation for the last 600 years, and yet they say, oh, we're not slaves to anybody. So some of you today are in denial. You're, you're, you're blind. As a pastor, I see this all the time. I see people who are literally ruining their lives. And then I, when, when I try to talk to them, I'm not a slave. I'm, I'm fine. And, and it's like, can't you see what you're doing is killing you? 
Are you in denial? Are you, you're really a slave. In fact, Scripture says we're all slaves. And we need to be freed by Jesus. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who is a sin, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. See, sin is fun for a while, but it always ends up enslaving you. What are you a slave to? What are you a slave to? He goes on to say, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is my prayer for you and me, that we will cry out to Jesus, the son of God, and that we will ask him and allow his truth to set us free. Would you bow your heads with me? I ask you, are you a Christian, really? Are you really a disciple? Have you repented and trusted in Christ to set you free from sin and death? Are you holding to his teaching? Are you absorbing his truth into your life so it can set you free? Maybe you have a a hurt, a hang-up, a habit. And, you know, we've been promoting it for a long time now, but Hopefully you're aware that Celebrate Recovery, we're, we're starting that, that program, that ministry, this Friday night right here at our church. We're partnering with other congregations around town and, and uh, so excited for this new opportunity for any of us and all of us. It, yes, it's for the classic things if you're struggling with an addiction of some kind, but it's also just really for all of us to, to really become emotionally healthy Maybe you have some hurts or habits or hang-ups and you're you're just enslaved or just a bit trapped by something. And Celebrate Recovery would be a great, great place to go. But my prayer for you and me this morning is that we would look to Jesus, that we would remember Jesus. Many of us here this morning have been Christians for a long, long time and it's easy for us to forget, take for granted and even become kind of sour. And we're not really grateful anymore. We need to back up. We need to remember. And be grateful again. That's the way to freedom.